The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. I also have one other piece of news, which is probably a little bit more surprising, and that is that in July, in July, not today or tomorrow, in July, at the end of July, Johnny and Kizzy are actually going to be moving on from us. Now, that is because, you see, there's a bit of an hard. Oh, let me just feed some information here to you. As many of you will know, Johnny and Kizzy have had a heart to do missions work for many years. Indeed, if any of you were at their wedding, the whole theme of their wedding was, uh, was about the nations and about going to the nations. There's just something, you see, ever since that time, Johnny has been working here and has been helping out greatly as part of the leadership here. And we've been holding on to him, but there's a desire for him and for Kizzy to go to nations. And there comes a point where you have to say, we have to make some changes. And we're coming to that point. Now, we know, I know, how grateful I am to Johnny and to Kizzy for the things that they have done amongst us and for being here as part of the family. And I'm telling you this now because we have plenty of time to be able to talk to them and encourage them. Now, there are questions that some of you will be thinking, things like, well, what are you going to do? Is that a question that anybody's thought? It's certainly one that I have thought and asked. And, you know, I want to speak into this just a little bit because not all of the answers are known. What is known is that God is saying, look, we need you to move. And you have to respond to what God is saying. As we've heard testimony from Yomi, giving away money suddenly seems very easy in the light of actually having to move on in a situation like this. And obviously, I've been praying about it. And for myself, I was praying here a couple of weeks ago one morning and just praying and walking around here and I felt a scripture come into my mind. And at first, I, didn't, I, I knew that it was a scripture. I couldn't remember exactly where it was because the context was I was just praying for Johnny and Kizzy. And this scripture came into my mind and it was, don't call unclean anything that I have called clean. And I was thinking, I know I know that scripture. So I quickly looked it up. And it comes in the story where Peter, uh, is the story of Peter and Cornelius, where Peter is praying and he's up on the roof and there's a sheet that comes down from heaven filled with different animals and God is saying to Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Eat any of these animals. And Peter's saying, like, whoa, hang on a second. I, I'm not going to eat those animals because as a Jew, I'm not supposed to eat those animals. And God says to him, listen, don't call unclean anything that I have called clean. Now, it's interesting because I think in that story, there is a situation, as we know further on, where God is wanting to do a new work amongst the Gentiles. But I just felt that God was saying to me, listen, Jonathan, there are things about this that you don't have the answers to. There are things that even Johnny and Kizzy together at the moment don't have all the answers to. But God is in this, and he is doing something. And we have to surrender to that, and we have to say, like, oh, Lord, this feels a bit uncomfortable, but we want to see nations being touched. We want to see the gospel going out. And suddenly, the things that seem precious to us, well, who is going to do this job? And who is going to fix that? And who's going to do the Sunday service plan? And lots of the other things that Johnny does. I don't know is the answer to those. But I do know that just as in we've been through some transition 
with our BTC kids. God is at work and is helping us. And God is at work in this place. It would seem at this time that God is saying, listen, I want to prepare you for new things that are coming up. And when there's a preparation, it means there's change. And change, we, we sort of say like, oh, we love change. But when it happens, we say like, oh, no, not really. We prefer things as they were. And there's a sense of that happening. Well, bless God, this is not happening today or tomorrow, as I say. Johnny and Kizzy will not be going until the end of July. And obviously, we'll be sending them out with blessing. But I just wanted to tell you, because for me, I want this sort of information amongst everybody. Because people need to think about it, contemplate it, work it through. Write out your list of questions to Johnny and Kizzy. Send it in the post. And say, no, no, bless them and encourage them and help them. Because uh, these things have many challenges. You know, like, I know for Clive and Gail, it means change in a family situation, not just in a church situation. So we want to be prayerful and we want to be supportive. We are prayerful and we are supportive and we will stand behind Johnny and Kizzy, Clive and Gail, but we're all working together as a church and we want to see God's purposes come about. So I wanted you to know that. I wanted you to know a little bit of my thinking about it, behind it. This is God is in this and he is doing something and we don't have every answer, but that's okay because when we're standing on the solid rock, Jesus will help us. So that's some news for that. Have I got anything else to tell you? Probably yes, but we'll move on to this. God's family, part 4B is what I've put down in my notes because I had part 4 and then that's going to come next week. So I thought this part 4B is what I called this. What's love got to do with it? Now I was at this moment going to sing to you But as it's not a Christian song, I thought I wouldn't sing that to you. What's Love Got to Do With It was Tina Turner was singing that, and the Beatles were at some stage were saying, all you need is love. And we know that many songs of our popular culture relate to the issue of love. It's a bit sad that I'm quoting those, and there aren't more modern songs that I'm quoting because I'm not so familiar with what is going on at the present time. I confess to that. But love being only a a word of four letters, it has so many different ways in which it can be shown and displayed. And today being Mother's Day, I wanted to talk a little bit about love because we know that as a mum acts towards her children, there is something there that is of the love of God that is being displayed to all of us. Something that can be seen. Now, I'm not saying, therefore, that everything that a mum does is perfection, and therefore that, because we know that sometimes mums make mistakes as well. But nevertheless, there is something in the way that a mum loves her children that is a reflection of the way that God himself loves and cared for us. Some people have tried to write a job description for a mum, and it's quite amusing, and I've picked out a few things. The role of a mum includes giving hugs, kisses, and verbal affirmation. The role of a mum involves giving encouragement and attention. Uh, The role of a mum is that they are able to listen, to teach, and to mentor. They're able to set boundaries and bring consistent and fair discipline, able to give wisdom and guidance. And I could go on and on because there's so much that you could put down as a job description for a mum. And all of us have received the love of a mum. Now, I understand that that love might not have reached perfection in every situation. And indeed, for some of us, that might be a stepmum, not necessarily our biological mum. But nevertheless, all of us have received 
the love of a mum. And God wants us to understand what love is, and he declares that in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is where we read about love, and we'll have that come up on the board here. It's not the verse, but it does give the impact of the verse where it says, love is patient, love is kind, love, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not rejoice in evil. Love rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. Now, as I say, love is only a four-letter word, but here, already, there's so much more that's being given in the definition, in the understanding of what love is. And that's what this scripture seeks to communicate to us. So this morning, and it will be very briefly, we're going to look at what love does. I want to look at three things which we see mums doing which display what love is and what love does. I've just discovered something on the iPad that if you go to the side and move your finger, it moves it right to the end, which is very, very unhelpful. But anyway, first point here, love, what does love do? Love comforts and protects. Love brings comfort and it protects. And a mum comforts and protects in so many ways. These can be seen when our mum gives us a hug to provide a physical example that we are loved. That sense of security when mum just embraces you and hugs you. That sort of is supposed to put everything right, isn't it, sometimes? The hug of a mum. It doesn't necessarily put everything right, but it does help us to know that we are loved. And when our mum buys food and cooks for us, the very thought that mums go to Tesco's or Sainsbury's or whatever is not seen as an act of love. That's just something I've got to do. But it is an act of love because it's all about the provision and the care of the family at home. And mum has to go and buy food. Well, not only mum. In fact, for myself. It's funny. I was at Sainsbury's yesterday. Um, But uh, (laughs) you know what I mean. Mums do buy food. Mums do cook food so that we are not left hungry. And we recognize that it is rather trying, and I suppose I'm speaking to those who already know this, it's rather trying for mum when through all of the busyness of the day and putting some food in front of her children, she is met with, I'm not eating that. No, I want to have fish fingers, I don't like sausages, or whatever it might be, as we've all been in those situations. And that is difficult. Our mums care for us because they give us medical attention. They're the ones that clean up a grazed knee. They are the ones that give a dose of cowpole or something similar to help calm us down and to make us feel better. And love is what makes all of these things happen. Love, it says, is kind. Mum says that your welfare matters and she makes sure that you have enough to eat and that you are cared for, you have the energy that you need. Love, it says, always protects. And mums seek to provide protection from danger, protection from all sorts of harm. Give me that knife. That's the sort of thing that a mum would do because they are seeking to bring protection to their children. They're looking after them, and they're making sure they've got somewhere that's safe for them to sleep. Love is not self-seeking, it says, and mum directs her attention to others so that they are looked after. Love comforts and protects. 
But what else does love do? Love strengthens. Love strengthens. Love, it says, delights in the truth. That means that love is happy, love is content when truth is being expounded, when we're living in the truth, when we're acting in the truth. And mum speaks to her children and tells them that they have value, that they are loved, that they do have a purpose, that they are unique. Love is kind. Mum tells you not to listen to that other child's remarks, but to be secure in who you are, to know that God has made you and that God doesn't make mistakes, that he has created you to know him and to fulfill his purposes. And mums comfort and strengthen their children with truth and with kindness because it helps to establish them. Mum says, I believe in you. Mum puts that knowledge into a child so that a child can be strengthened. And mum says, not only do I believe in you, but God believes in you too. Through words of truth, mums seek to bring strength to their children. And a mum seeks to use her words with truth and compassion to help to establish and to strengthen their child against whatever rigours may be coming in everyday life. A life which we know is full of unkindness, full of injustice, full of selfishness and hurtful things. We know that. But love, you see, wants to protect. Love wants to strengthen. Love is always hoping, and therefore, that's what mums do. They, they patch us up emotionally. They strengthen us internally. And they display those qualities of love which help to bring strength to us. Love comforts and protects. Love strengthens. What else does love do? Love disciplines. Love brings order. This is the way I want to put it. Love brings order into our lives. Love brings a discipline to us. And it's important that we see this as being loving. <laughs> because so often we don't. We don't want to be told what the boundaries are. We don't want to be limited in how many donuts we're eating. There's many things that we don't want. And we find it annoying that a mum would say, that's enough, or don't do that. But really, for us to live in this world and to live and to be a godly people, but to have a society that is full of love, we need to remember boundaries and we need to remember discipline. Often a mum has a difficult role in that of administering justice or bringing peace between warring parties, as can often happen if you've got more than one child. War can break out in the house somewhere, and it's mum's job to be there as the chief negotiator, to bring peace where, and forgiveness where there was unrest and fighting. Mum sometimes has to bring correction. Jack, you're laughing, so obviously you know that to be true in your own home. Well, there we go. There are more than just you in the home, Jack. Um, but we know it's never your fault, so that's okay. Sometimes a mum has to bring correction. Don't throw your food across the room or on the floor. Don't kick your little sister or your brother. Don't snatch. Don't punch. You know the sorts of things. Don't say those things. They're unkind. A mum has to bring correction. We don't like to look at the issue of correction, but it is loving. Laying down boundaries is loving. It's helping to protect 
and to enable each of us to know that there is a right way and a wrong way for us to live. And sometimes that's a difficult. Just uh, over the weekend, over Friday night, we had our granddaughter staying with us. So some of these things have been refreshed in my mind as I'm hearing Helen instruct her certain things of behaviour need to stop and to change. What is it that causes children to suddenly do wrong things or to do naughty things? It's like, what, what happened? It's because we are sinful in the heart and it happens. But love helps to correct. Love chooses to put down boundaries. Love helps to bring order. Love helps to bring order. It is this area of love, as I've said, that we find so unacceptable as it's seen a curtailing of our freedom. But it's to help us stop being self-centred. Self-centredness, you feel it when somebody's being self-centred. Others feel it. And therefore it's an unpleasant and we need to have that change. So discipline helps us to learn to share. Discipline helps us to learn to respect others. Discipline helps us to learn to forgive others. And we need those things to have a good society. Remember this, the Bible tells us, against these things, so faith, hope and love, there is no law. Because nobody wants to build a law to say, stop, we don't want to have any more love. Everybody wants to have more love. So those are things that love does and can be displayed through what a mum does in her family. But there is a cost to love. Love costs. There is a cost to a mum as she loves her children. But as Christians, we just want to look at it on a wider scale, there's a cost to us because we as Christians have been called to love. In fact, no, we haven't been called to love, we have been commanded to love others. John 15, Jesus uh, says this. John 15, verses 12 to 14. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And obviously, as we've been sharing communion together and reflecting on that scripture... That is the example that Jesus has given to us for us to live out in our lives. There is a cost. There was a cost as far as God was concerned because the cost as far as he was concerned was that he had to give his only son. That last song that we sing where it says, the darling of heaven crucified. And it always, I always find that an emotional song because that wording describes things. The darling of heaven, a dearly loved son was given up. Not just, oh, you'll do. This is something that was precious, that was priceless as far as God was concerned. So there is a very real cost, and that's what God shows to us. Perhaps when it comes to us, to mums, to dads, to all of us, really, the true cost of love starts to be felt when the word deserve comes into play. Because we give it, we're giving, a mum is giving food to her child and is wanting to bring comfort and strength to the child, although often we just see that as one of those things we have to do, but it is loving. And when the child is rejecting that food, no, I don't want this, this is horrible, or they're pushing it out the way, and you feel the pain of that, you don't deserve that. As soon as the word deserve comes into play, that starts to help us to understand that there is a cost in love. 
Because if we want to move from just loving things to real love, which is unconditional, the word deserve has to be removed. No one deserves the love that God poured out upon this earth. We do not deserve it. If it was about the word deserve, if that had come up before God, does this person deserve that you forgive them? No, they don't. But as I was thinking about this, I find it helpful because the word deserve comes into our language often. As mums dealing with your children, it comes up, you don't deserve this because of the way you're behaving. Now, I'm not obviously... Uh, forgetting the fact that we need to set boundaries and we need to have discipline and that needs to be brought in. But what about the person in your office who's difficult? They don't deserve to be loved, but God has called us to show them unconditional love. So I use that as a challenge for us this morning to think about the times when we suddenly feel that word deserve coming up. You don't deserve this. Now maybe that's because we need to bring some correction and some boundaries or maybe it's because we realise that there is a real price to pay when it comes to loving others. It's not because they deserve it. It's because they don't deserve it that I'm still going to love because that's what God has done for me. And if we're to take an example from the cross itself, it is this fact that we didn't deserve what he gave us. But he freely gave his grace. For me personally, I am so grateful to God that he is a long-suffering God who is faithful, who remains consistent. Because whereas I have remained inconsistent, whereas I've said, oh God, please forgive me, please forgive me for doing this, and then I go back and do the same thing again, which God must get really annoyed about in one sense, but he chooses to love me unconditionally because he wants relationship with me and he wants relationship with you. I was just in communion. I'm just going to touch on this. In communion, I was just saying, there is a sense in which some people feel you don't deserve. None of us deserve what God has done. But God wants to know, wants us to know how much he loves us. And to a degree, it's the lack of the knowledge of the fact that God loves us that still holds us in patterns of behavior of sin. Because we often feel so bad about ourselves, we just go back into an old pattern of behaviour. We do things again and again because we've always done them and that I get some sort of silly satisfaction out of it, whether it being drunk out of your head or doing all sorts of different things. We go back to those ways because somehow they seem to medicate us. But listen, God's love for us is immense. When we think, as we have done this morning, about a mum and how a mum cares for her children and how it's relentless, those times during the night, mums, and I know it's not just mums, but today is mum's day, so they're getting the full <laughs> encouragement. The time during the, the night when the baby is waking up and it's every so often, every hour or every half hour, and then suddenly they're sick and only all their bed clothing needs changing, all of those things, you know those stories. Annie, don't look too terrified. It's coming to you. <laughs> don't look too terrified. We know those stories, but it's the love that they have in their hearts that just keeps them continuing. That is God inside of us. It's suddenly, that's a, it's a small expression, but it's something of what God is like. That ability to keep going and to keep loving in the midst of difficult circumstances, that is what God is like. Love Love is costly. Love is costly. But Jesus loved us unconditionally. 
Listen, I'm going to finish with this. Love may be costly, but there is power in love. What is the power of love? The power of love, not a song by Celine Dion or somebody like that. The power, has that suddenly come to my mind? The power of love is this. It never fails. It never fails. Can you hear that? It never fails. It never fails. So when you're finding difficult circumstances with your children, situations at work, at school, or wherever you may be, love never fails. It never fails. I didn't say that it automatically succeeds, because there's an element of time there, but love never fails. If we are consistent with our loving, love does not fail. And that is the power that there is in love. This morning, mums, we want to say thank you to you. We want to say thank you to you for all of those times when you have gone through hardships, when you've had meals rejected, when you've had harsh words spoken against you, where the children are misbehaving continually and it happens day after day and you're still having to suffer and you're still having to pick yourself up and sometimes when you're a mum and you haven't got a husband there and you're having to do the role of mum and dad, we want to honour you mums for all that you have done, for all that you are. And we want to thank you for in the way that you love, you show everybody the expression of God's love. And so we just want to bless you this morning. We want to say thank you for what you have done. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare blessing over every mother here. Every mother who is a mother with children, every mother who is going to be a mother with children, every woman who desires to be a mother of children. We pray blessing upon you in the name of Jesus. We bless you with the ability to love unconditionally. We bless you with the ability to resist the word deserve, but to keep pressing in, into the strength of God for each and every situation that faces you. We bless you with the ability to be at peace and to know the provision that God alone can bring to your life. We bless you and we thank you for all that you have done and all that you are going to do through God's provision through you. We thank God for you. And we would say, keep going, mums, because we're so grateful for what you have done. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Amen.